Welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Yolanti Gabri. The purpose of Sell Less, Mean More is to move entrepreneurs away from a hard sell hustling mindset and towards a more holistic business practice. I'm so glad you're listening. I'm looking forward to sharing many smarts with you. Welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. My name is Yolanthi Gabri and I'm your host. And today's podcast is with Josie Galati, who is, among other things, the director of an award-winning real estate practice in Melbourne's north called Hocking Stewart Preston. Josie, welcome. Thank you so much, Yolanthi. Thank you so much for inviting me. So today's podcast is going to be part of the Divorce Project series of podcasts, which are a really good counterpoint to some of the blog content that has been produced on YolanthiGabri.com blog recently, which looks at different aspects of separation and divorce from both a personal insights position, but also in more practical ways around the kinds of supports that somebody separating might need legally and emotionally. So Josie is going to provide some insight around her experience, which was, I understand, a couple of um, decades ago, which will naturally give a different kind of energy to perhaps somebody that we're interviewing who has been separated more recently. So Josie, firstly, thank you for offering your smarts around a very fraught time. I think that for some people can be cathartic to be given the opportunity to do this. When I asked you to share some of the things that you learned from your experience, what were your first thoughts about participating in this kind of a project, I suppose? I actually welcomed it with open arms because I know how difficult it can be for a lot of people. Divorce is never, never easy and it comes with its own layers of complexities and complications. And I remember going through it at the time that I was so grateful to have the support network around me, which helped me get through that. So being available to provide that insight, even if it helps a little bit or a person, I think it goes a long way. I'm just really grateful that you've made yourself available. And we're going to leap right into the questions this morning. So where I'd like to start with is at core, what is the main thing you'd want to express to a woman who is just at the very start of going through a separation? What I would like to offer is the ability to open your mind. So often when tragedy hits, I think deep down inside you you kind of feel like a failure in some respects and you start to lose yourself and then suddenly you don't know which direction you should take. So my advice would be to open your mind and do not lose yourself in the process and Although it's hard to see past the next day, all you need to do is just put one foot in front of the other and the rest will come. I really like the fact that you identified divorce as tragedy. I think that the way that we experience media or even entertainment when it deals with separation of long-term relationships, it's kind of normalised divorce. And whilst divorce is, is normal, as is death, it doesn't make either of those things any less traumatic for the individual experiencing it. When I've spoken to uh, a couple of my friends in the early stages of their separation, I remember one of the, the most memorable things that a mate ruminated was, this has happened to me and now I'm a divorced person. She felt like something had happened to her and in many ways in her case it had. 
And I also remember speaking to a counsellor early on in my separation and she ruminated on her own process of divorce as it being a bit like being in a car crash. She referred to it as an accident. Like an accident has happened and you're injured and you need to work out ways to take care of yourself. And there was something about that explanation of it being an accident that I found very comforting and helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. In a lot of ways it does feel like a really bad car accident and you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, I'm still alive, I'm still breathing, but I feel really bad about what's happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For a bit of context, Tracy, can you give us a really brief overview of the nature of your marriage as it was? Were you married or were you de facto? Did you have kids? Did you have a lot of assets you had to work through? You know, a bit of a nutshell of what that was about. Of course. Well, I got married really, really young. I was only 20 years of age. Very young. (laughs) (laughs) Madly in love with my husband at the time. We had a great life together, you know, as young adults. And then five, six years into the marriage, uh, we'd made a decision to start getting a little bit more serious about life and family and moving forward with that. And that was the pivotal point when things changed quite dramatically. So by the time I had my three-year-old son and my 10-month-old daughter, that's when my life had changed from day to night, literally overnight. I was suddenly stuck with, you know, the notion of, well, I'm going to be facing the new millennium as a sole parent with two young kids, no job. What was I going to do? It was very traumatic because I was very much in love. The divorce had hit me like a a huge shock. So it took some time to go through those emotions and to work things out and to finally get the truth about what had happened and why. But you always still blame yourself at the end of the day. What could I have done to avoid this? Or what could I have done better and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I got through that and I'm still very, very grateful for the support network that I had around me at the time, my family, my friends. And they were the ones encouraging me, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. So that really did set the solid foundation for me to, you know, springboard from that and and become who I am today. I'm interested in the fact that initially you were kind of thinking to yourself, what could I have done better? What could I have changed? How could I have changed this outcome? 20 years from that fact, odd, after the relationship has ended, do you really think that you could have done much to change your circumstances at that point or have things worked out in a way for you that makes sense? Well, in hindsight, there was nothing else I could have done. You know, I was young, a young mum. I had two young kids. You know, as you go through life, your priorities start to change. And so as a young parent, obviously your kids' priorities become number one, so to speak. Sometimes your partner or your husband or whoever it is in your life at that time may not be growing at the same pace with you. And so I did realise that we were growing in opposite directions. Mm. That actually leads me really well into the, the next query I had, which was what are a couple of the spidey senses that you had early on that let you know that the relationship wasn't actually working for you? I think that being able to comment on this is important because it's very easy to stay in relationships for long periods of time that actually aren't serving you because you're so invested in them that the aspects that aren't working, you kind of squash down. So I'd love to hear some of those spidey senses that that you experienced. Earlier on in the relation, in our marriage, we used to do everything together, as she 
probably do. And then by the time, you know, we had decided to, to have children, you know, I started to notice little things like he wasn't present. He didn't share the same outlook with regards to what the kids' lives would potentially look like or getting involved with any children activities or he just wasn't present at the time when we were having children. So suddenly I started to think, this isn't right. He wasn't the doting father that I thought he would be. And so I just accepted that. Maybe this is what parenting is or maybe this is what marriage is. So I just kind of accepted it and didn't sort of think much of it, but I knew there were the little things that were sort of niggling away. This is a question that may or may not be relevant. Did your cultural background play any role in how you felt about being divorced or divorcing? Were there any, do you think, additional burdens because of cultural norms or hang-ups? I think that played a bit of a part in it because, you know, coming from a European background, it's all about family and, you know, I look at the relationship my parents had and although they fought like cats and dogs, you know, they were married for like 70 years. So, yeah, that did weigh heavily on me and it contributed to the way I felt as being a failure. Yeah, it's interesting how often women consider that they're a failure if they have a divorce happen to them. I recall also having this feeling of, I guess, failure for a period of time leading up to the actual like separation because I kind of knew that it would be happening. But I also felt like because I'm so high-performing in so many aspects of my life, this idea of failing at something that was the most important to me, that was unthinkable. And I think that that unthinkability actually contributed to me staying in it for too long. And I reckon that, oh, all the norms around me, like my parents have been married for seven years, that would also probably keep you in a situation for longer than then you might like be well served by. How did you go about letting your kids understand what was happening in terms of their family situation? What steps did you take? Well, the first steps that I took with my children was first and foremost, their safety. I went through a very difficult divorce. And so keeping them safe and having them know that they came from a place of love was very, very important to me. So it was Difficult at the beginning, especially with my three-year-old son who would ask a lot of questions. Where is daddy? Why isn't daddy home? When am I going to see daddy? You know, those types of questions. And it was important for me to help him understand that he came from a place of love and he was in a very loving and supportive environment. And so that's where my family and friends really came in close to us. I think they did that in a sense so that we didn't feel abandoned. Because essentially, that's what my my ex-husband did. He abandoned us. And may I ask, how old are your children now? Okay, so my kids are 25 and 23 now. Bravo! Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And did you have any meaningful co-parenting with your ex-partner or was he completely absent? And if you did have something to do with him, how did you foster that relationship, if at all? He was completely absent. In some ways, I guess that makes things worse and easier. Well, at the time, it was difficult for me to accept how could somebody abandon their children. I could understand they could abandon me, but how could they abandon their children? That, for me, was really, really difficult to understand or accept. It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. Of course it's hard to understand. Exactly. But, you know, eventually I had to accept that. Otherwise, there was just no way of moving on. What do you think was the most empowering decision that you made during your separation? 
Okay, so at the time, it felt like a bomb was dropped. I knew there and then I had to make some serious decisions and I had to own those choices. So I made a, a serious choice about where I was in my life, my children who I love dearly, and I thought, okay, they were my priority, their safety and the love that they deserved was priority. So I built my life around my children. I made a decision to go back to school, start working, making sure that my kids had a very safe environment and a loving environment to grow up in. And I just took each day as it came. Yeah, I think that the decision to own what the future looked like, that must have been such a huge pivot because it involves acceptance and also determination. Absolutely. And I remember at the time it was beyond empowering. It felt like I was taking ownership of my freedom for the first time yeah amazing because you really got married so young it was the first time that you were like well who am I what exactly. do I like what exactly. do I want to do that's yeah. right being married so young I was also living a life to please others as well and so it wasn't until I stepped into the realm of myself for the first time and really moving forward into a future of freedom because all of a sudden when it's landed in your lap like that, you don't know what to do with it. And then once you take responsibility for your choices, you feel this sense of, oh, well, this is who I really am. It starts to get you excited. You start to find the faith and the belief in yourself that you can do this. You can face a new day with owning those decisions. Yeah. Being in that position of acceptance and determination I'm sure that the knowledge you have has made a lot of the work you've done as a real estate agent with your clients I'm sure that that experience has helped you connect and support a lot of people oh absolutely no doubt I'm naturally a very empathetic person and I think when I met with my clients they naturally gravitate to that energy that I can provide them with and understanding their situation. Everyone comes with a story and I've learned to listen really well. I find that listening to their story, that helps me understand the journey that they're on and where I can fit in to support them through that. Often when you're separating, you need a whole series of different kinds of professionals to help you move through that process. So often there's a mediator or a lawyer that's often essential. There's typically also psychologists or counsellors and then there are people like accountants and there's, of course, real estate practitioners as well and they, like, come as a, as eventually they come as a, as a suite. And I think that one of the, the greatest things that we can do for our clients who are going through periods of transition, particularly with something as intimate as a home, like, you know, if you have that personal insight, there's something about holding the space for someone who's in real distress that it's very comforting for them. But I think that also as a person who's experienced their distress it also allows you to feel like your experience has been put to some use, but also your own journey has actually progressed. Absolutely, because through that real estate journey, the place that you live in, the roof that supports you, suddenly that environment changes. And so I understand what it's like to move on from that or move away from that and find a new shelter, so to speak, to support you. So yeah, real estate does demonstrate and give you the ability to step up to help someone 
through that process, whether it be through divorce or any other changes, you know, because I know how difficult it is to move from one home and step into another and create a new home. Yeah. So when do you think someone should get legal counsel or advice involved and what might hold them back from doing that? My advice would be to get that legal and counsel advice as soon as possible. I think the sooner you equip yourself with the information you need in order to make those decisions to move forward, the better, the more knowledge you can educate yourself with and the better decisions you'll make for yourself. Yeah, I think that I think that's true. What what do you think prohibits people from going ahead and getting that advice? When something drastic happens suddenly, sometimes we go through different types of emotions. So beyond the shock, then there might be denial. You might be in denial. You don't want to accept the information that's suddenly landing in your lap and you don't know what to do with it. So there's this fear of if I accept it, what happens after that? So I do understand somebody may not want to go down that path, but I think it's important to look at the facts in front of you and accept the information. It's interesting how much well-meaning misinformation around separation and divorce there is. For example, I'm part of an online mother's group and there is occasional discussion of separation and divorce in that space. And the amount of misinformation, not only from a real estate perspective about who can stay where and then who is entitled to what, but this, it's, it's well-meaning, but it's inaccurate. You know, you've hit the nail on the head. I think that when you take that step towards legal counsel, that involves a level of acceptance. Correct. And then having to tell people it's done kind of That's thing. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Does it get better? If somebody <laughs> who is at the beginning of separation or thinking about separating yeah. or like, you know, and they're full of, you know, fear or nausea about it, does it get better? Absolutely. 110% it does get better. When it happened to me, I was in a very dark place. I could not see past tomorrow and I just could not see a way out. But in hindsight, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. And I say that because I learned so much about myself in that process, so much more about the support that I had around me because life continues to evolve. And so it's very inspiring to know that, yes, I can take the next step forward and I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. It's okay. And then you start to put everything into perspective. You know, there are worse things out there in life. There are people that are dying from an illness that is terminal or situations can be very, very bad. A divorce, as bad as my experience was, is not as bad as some other things in this world. So being grateful, being supported, embracing freedom and having the courage to find out who you really are as a person is wonderful. That's made me think of this idea of when one chapter of your life has ended and you're in that space where you're still processing what has happened, like it's a trauma space, there's nothing that's filled the vacuum where your ex-partner used to be or where that life used to be or the family relationships you had with your exes down there. There's this big void. And I remember, I think, having a discussion with my mum about this void space. And she's like, well, you know, you need to fill it with other things, with, with new and different things. And I remember in the past, I would really shy away from looking at the photos of on my iPhone, because in 
the little space where it shows like people who are most often in your photos. It used to have a picture of, of my ex. But I was just noticing yesterday when I was looking through it, time has moved on. I filled that space with new adventures and new people and new love and new aspects of myself. And so when I look in that photo space, there's different people there. And that just seems like a really physical, real, concrete (laughs) version of what you're saying about embracing that freedom. And and you have to keep, you know, you keep living, you have to keep living. Oh, absolutely. And as much as divorce is the end, it's really only the beginning for a lot of people because it's the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to step into new dimensions, you know, new friendships, new environments. And it becomes very exciting when you look at it that way. Yeah. Thank you so much. That information (laughs) is so valuable. It's something we don't really, unless it's in a one-on-one conversation, we don't often have a real unpacking of, of the feelings and the journey around separation and divorce. I'm so grateful that you were able to share those very hard won pieces of, of knowledge. For all our listeners, I'm going to include links to Josie's Instagram and her business details. She is a, a real estate agent par excellence and, as you can see, a true empath, and that's a wonderful person to work with as a professional. So, Josie, thank you so much uh, for being in The Divorce Project on Sell Less, Mean More. Thank you, Yolanthi.